0: Hello and welcome to another jam-packed episode of We Love Books, the show where we absolutely love kids' books and we know you do too. On today's show, we've got some excellent book reviews for you to enjoy, plenty of book chat, and our interview with a featured author who this week is Eve MacDonald, who wrote the magical Else Time, full of fine jewels and flooding, time travel, and thrilling adventure. Listen out for that in a few minutes' time. But first, I wanted to ask you what is your favourite book? Boy Giant. It was the
1: first warrior ish book that I've ever read. I like how the author writes the story. Then I like the adventure that he puts the story in. It's called the Taylor Turbo Chaser. So it's like this girl called Amy, When she was six, her dad accidentally went into a car crash and she needed a wheelchair and now she's 12. And her friend um, made a a car because they're travelling to New York to look for her father who accidentally made the crash. I love loads of books, but there was this book I read. I really like it. I forget the name of it. I got it from the library, so I don't, we don't have it in the house. And it was about this uh, little kid and uh, when he saw blood, he got sick. But anyway, he went with his mother to Africa, but he had relatives there. He was in one of their like armies and he was helping them and all. There was another one and it was about this robot, but he like had feelings and he was an advertisement robot. My favourite picture book is Madeline and the Library Dog. I love dogs and I love the name Madeline. It's a really good story too.
0: Now on We Love Books, it's time for We Love Reviews. Today, 10 year old Eli read Gordon's Game, Blue Thunder by rugby legend Gordon Darcy and the hilarious Paul Howard. Here's what Eli thought.
1: Hi, my name is Eli Curley and I'm 10 years old. My review is about Gordon's Game, Blue Thunder by Gordon Darcy and Paul Howard. It's his second book. It's about young Gordon Darcy playing rugby for Leinster. He's still in Klangas and it's also about what he gets up to in the Heineken Cup. In the book, the characters are Gordon and his friends, Peter and Connor, Aoife and the Leinster Squad. I enjoyed reading it because it's funny. Readers that might like this would be, readers that like sport and have a good sense of humour. This book
0: would be for people aged between seven and 12. Now it's over to Hugo who is eight years old and he has read Roald Dahl Words of Magical Mischief which was put together by Susan Rennie and it's all about the weird and wonderful words of the great master himself who I know so many of you love and what effect those words can have on the world around you.
1: Hello and my name is Hugo and I read A World of Magical Mischief by Roald Dahl. It's about different magic that are featured in Roald Dahl books. From the BFG to the magic finger, the book discusses the methods of magic they use. I enjoyed it, but I thought it was a little short and I was very familiar with the magic already, but I am a very big Roald Dahl fan. I think it will be good for Roald Dahl fans and those interested in magic. This book is good for people from six to eight years old. Bye!
0: Now on We Love Books, it's time for our interview with a featured author. Eve MacDonald wrote the fabulous Elf Time, which is full of magic and wonder. And she did so because a fortune teller told her it was her destiny. Gripped already? Me too. Here's Eve telling us all about how she got into writing, taking a little bit of a roundabout route.
2: When I was in school, I entered the Texaco art competition. And I won. I didn't come first. I came third. That's a huge competition. It it was a huge thing for me. And absolutely, it was a big party. I remember we had to go to the Burlington Hotel, as it was called back then. And we had a big meal and a big celebration. And it sort of firmly put me on a path from then on in, I was going to be an artist. So everything I did from there, you know, led down that road. And I went to secondary school, studied art really hard, loved it the bits. And then when I left school, I went to art college. So I was definitely on that road. And I got a job then when I left college in graphic design, which was great fun because you're designing everything from soup packets to soup. Crisp bags actually was a big thing. Monster bites. I remember doing those Then I kind of felt one day that all of my creative juices were sort of being used up in work and I wasn't really enjoying it anymore. So I actually left working in in design and kept my art to myself. So I kept my painting going at home. So that's how I started off, letting the old creative juices flow. But I think if you have a creative bone in your body, and I think all of us do, it's important that we actually let it do what it needs to do and that means it's important to do your sketching to do your writing to do your singing or whatever it might be because it actually lifts your spirits and if you don't allow yourself to do it it can actually make you feel like you're missing something
0: that's so true you had a bit of a change of direction
2: after a meeting with a fortune teller I did. I went to see a fortune teller not too many years ago. <laughs> I'd kind of gone down the art road for a long long time but this fortune teller in the middle of a conversation started to say right 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 she was shrieking at me right 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 she was looking at my pen in my hand and was sort of saying write that down <laughs> don't forget this. So I still have a little piece of paper that says write 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 on it. And I went home. Um now I was going to listen to this lady because this is the lady who uh, decided one day I was going to have twins. And I thought she was absolutely barmy. And as it happened a few years later, along came the twins. So I had to listen to her. So I sat down that evening when I came home and opened up my laptop, blank page. And of course, looking at a blank page is very similar to looking at a blank canvas. So I went through all the emotions of where do you start? And then I said, look, I have to start somewhere. So I started to write a few bits and it was dreadfully boring. So I opened up a new page and I said, I'd love to write a children's books." So I started scribbling. My twins were probably, I don't know, about five at the time. So I started to write a little story for them. And I'd say I was one paragraph in and I ran into the kitchen where my husband was. And I was literally dancing saying, oh my goodness, I have just found what it is I want to do when I grow up. Now, the only thing was I was well grown up <laughs> at this stage, but I decided I was going to be a children's writer there and then. And once I was on that train, I was not going to get off, not without a fight anyway. <laughs> and so was that the first time you decided to be a children's writer? Because that's amazing. It was, yeah. Now, granted, yeah. when I looked back, Neve, I actually realized that writing played a huge part in my life. In every job I ever did, I was the one that people would go to saying, you know, we need a presentation done up, um, um, you know, would you say something about this and say something, but so I'd be putting the words to those presentations or if there was a really difficult letter to write to somebody, I would be the one to put it together. So there was always writing in my life. And when I look around my house, there are poems and funny short stories or whatever hanging on the wall. And I have a cupboard full of journals that I used to write when I was, I think I started when I was about five wow. um, and okay. then I really got into it when I was about eight and then by the time I was about 11 instead of just writing you know the way you haven't paid per day in your in your diary I had moved on to big huge massive journals that I'd write 10 pages a night I would have hair clippings in there fingernails if they fell off I would have a feather in there if I found it that day everything in my life newspaper clippings about what the top 10 uh, songs in the charts were everything about my life put into these journals so I was writing daily for all my childhood but I obviously being, because I went down that path of being an artist it never really occurred to me that there was this other side another thing I could do so it was great when I did find it and, when, and I was I can't even describe the happiness I felt when when I actually realized this is what i was supposed to be doing with my life <laughs> you know you have to kind of in one respect put what other people might think out of your head And if you write something or draw something that is true to you, that you really, really like, and you have got the feeling out of your head and onto that page, the way you wanted it to be expressed, then that is all that matters. And if you are happy with it, That's 90% of the job done and you should be proud of it. And of course, yes, it's a craft, you know, like anything, you have to learn your craft. If you want to learn how to play the piano, you're not going to be perfect on day one. It's going to take a lot of time before you can get to a point where you can actually sit in front of somebody and do a concert. (laughs) So yes, you know, I had to work very, very hard. It didn't all happen overnight. And when I look back now to that first paragraph, if you like, that I wrote that day after seeing the fortune teller, of course, that's not going to be published, (laughs) You know, I had a lot to learn, but that's what you do. There was actually a quote, I'll probably get it a bit wrong here now, but it's by Roald Dahl. We all know who Roald Dahl is. And he said that if you are interested in something, no matter what it is, grab it, hug it, go at it full speed and love it. But above all, be passionate about it because lukewarm will never do. So if your readers find that, hey, do you know what? I like writing. Really, really go for it. Or if it's drawing, go for it and just give it your all. You never know where it might end up.
0: You never know. And authors always tell me that the only people who don't get published in the end are the people who give up. And I always ask authors to give us a writing tip for kids. You've kind of done that there. That was an amazing tip. Is there anything else you'd say to kids
2: who are dreaming of being a writer? Well, I'd say two quick things. One, I know they've heard before and that is read, read everything, read all around you, not just the stuff that you like, but read um, other things. Pick up a graphic novel if you've never had one before. Try different genres. You know, you might like humor one day, but go for something slightly different the next day and just see where your heart lies so that you know who it is you want to write for. The second tip is find a tribe. Try and find people who also like to write or if it's drawing or whatever it might be to be able to kind of knock ideas off each other or send each other a few paragraphs every now and then it's hugely important because writing takes a long time to get it right so you do need that little bit of encouragement along the way and sometimes people who don't write don't quite understand um, you know when you keep you know half your brain is thinking of your story the whole time (laughs) So they might not be, be able to listen to it all the time. So if you have writer friends, it really, really does help. And there are writing clubs out there now, especially for the age group, maybe of eight plus. There are plenty of writing clubs um, that you can join. And even today, you know, on screen, you can do them. You don't have to sit around a table so you can do them um, on Zoom, which is great, Crack.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And what kind of books did you love when you were a
2: child? Well, now there's a thing, nonfiction mainly. I my I, I remember we used to have this travelling salesman who used to call to our door. He'd sell these great big leather bound encyclopedias, the whole set. And you'd buy the first few one week and then a few weeks later, you'd come back and you'd buy the next set. And they were beautiful to look at. And inside, some of them were like really old. um, So they would have been secondhand, but they had the most incredible illustrations and facts. So I used to read them from cover to cover. And then when it came to fiction, I suppose my absolute favourite book has to be The Wizard of Oz. And believe it or not, that was printed first, I think, in 1900. Um, And even to this day, it's one of the best stories. I absolutely love it. I must have read it, I don't know, 50 times in my life. I still do read it. I love, I can see the pictures in my head. I can nearly draw them for you. They're absolutely beautiful. And it's 10 times better than the movie as well. There's so much more in it. So I think that type of book really started me thinking, oh, there's more to reading then just facts. Um,
0: yeah.
2: And I discovered then the Tintin books. Do you remember Tin? Oh, I love just it. It's going back it is. a while. Yeah. yeah. They were also collectible. You see, this is the thing. I didn't have to just have one. I could have 20. Yeah. So that was a real pull to me. So every time we went to a bookstore, everything else was just pushed to one side. I just wanted the next Tintin book. Um, and Asterix was the other one as well. So a graphic, they're called graphic novels now we didn't call them graphic novels then but um yeah so that's what I used to read when I was young um but to, you know I always tried to remember when I'm writing I try to think back to the feeling I had when I read my favorite book so that wonderful moment when Dorothy opened the door and stepped out into Oz that lovely magical feeling so when I'm writing I want that to come across so that my readers will go oh I'd love to be there or I can imagine that and try and bring that magic into it as much as I can
0: Well, you absolutely do with your book Else Time and there's a clue about what the book is about in the title because, you know, it's not elsewhere; it's Else Time. So without
2: giving the game away, could you tell our readers a little bit about what this book is about? You're right. It's a time travel book. And it's based in two different times. One is 1864. So we're going back quite a bit. And the other is 1928. And it was inspired by a real life tragic event, which was the Great Flood of London. And that happened in 1928. So if you go back to 1864, there was a little boy living there called Needle Luckett. And Needle was a thing called a mudlark. So what that means is he would walk along the river shore. And he would have his eyes down all the time, looking for treasures. And he would search for treasure so that he could actually sell them and make some money. And that's how people used to make money back then in the 1800s. So Needle, the mudlark, um, had a special gift. He used to, be able to put a treasure in his hand, and he'd be able to actually feel the treasure's history. He'd hear its story inside. And the colder the treasure would feel, the older the treasure would be. But one day, he's walking along and finds a piece of treasure that is actually hot, too hot to touch. And he figures out that it is actually treasure from the future, which is kind of hard to imagine. How did it get there? So he has a uh, wonderful pet crow and he discovers with the help of his wonderful pet crow that this piece of treasure is actually warning him of a flood that's going to happen 64 years into his future. And following his crow, I won't give too much away, he ends up in 1928 um, in a completely different time. Now, the 20s, um, were, if you don't know, was a really kind of a time of celebration to some extent because the Great War was over um, and people started to get really interested in fashion and all the wonderful... F- happy dresses and flapper parties and everything so everything that sparkled so he ends up in this time and he meets a jeweler's apprentice called glory and glory has one hand and is having fierce difficulty doing her job which is to be a jeweler's apprentice as you can imagine it's not easy so between the three of them they have a job to do and that is to try and save the people of the town of this big flood that they believe will happen and that's where the adventure basically begins there's adventure in it there's magic in it you know there's there's fantasy in it so it's a kind of a mixture of things um so i kind of hope it appeals to everybody really i wanted to ask about the historical side how much research did you have to do because it's based on a real event i'll tell you how i came across it because it it was quite a funny story um a serendipitous story actually um when i was trying to come up with this idea for else time I had a needle in my head, obviously, because you know I'm I'm a treasure hunter myself. I love to 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 look for treasures along the beach or along, um, the, along a riverside, and I'm forever picking up bits and pieces. So obviously that's where he came from. Um, the crow came along because I had gift-bearing crows visit my garden one day, and they still deliver on occasion. Um, because I feed them uh, nuts and seeds in return, they'll leave a little shard of metal or glass for me. Um, so that. That's where needle, our, um, magpie came along. A magpie is, is a crow um, in, in my book. But the next part that kind of hit me um, when I was trying to plot this story really kind of sl- slapped me in the face. And that is... I came across the idea of a jewellers apprentice, which is young Glory, because she had to take all of Needle's muddy treasures and try and make something of them. But I wasn't sure in my head where she was from um, and what time she was from. So I decided I'd research, I knew she was from probably the 1920s because it was a very fashionable time for jewellery and so forth. So I researched what happened in the 1920s um, on the Mr. Google machine. And I came across this great flood. Now, in my head, Glory, I already knew, was working for um a hard-nosed taskmaster called Mrs. Quick. Now, Mrs. Quick owned um the jewelry shop that she worked in. Um, so I was reading about this great flood of 1928, thinking, oh my goodness, perfect setting because there's a great river which is the Thames River in London. There was a bridge which plays a part in, in, our, in transporting from one era to the next. And I thought, that, that's perfect. Tick that box. But then I actually came across the tragedy part, which is in that real flood, 14 people died. And I found a newspaper snippet, which actually listed all of the people, the lost souls of that great flood. And at the bottom or near the bottom of the list, I came across a Mrs. Quick, and I was gobsmacked simply because I had already written a Mrs. Quick into my story. And it just stood out a mile for me, not only because her name matched, but it was also the way it was written. All the others had their full names down. Hers was just Mrs. Quick. I hadn't yet thought of a first name for my Mrs. Quick. And I thought this is a sign. I'm going down the right road. I have to write about this flood. And it wasn't long after, as I started to research more and more about the actual after effects of the flood, which is quite a sad story. Um, I came across some old black and white photographs of Mrs. Quick and I really felt like I knew her. She looked incredibly familiar to me and I just thought, right, that's it, that's it. I have to tell the story and let people know the history of flooding in London.
0: And tell it she did, and Else Time is a wonderful read. Before we let Eve go, we subjected her to the grueling. We love books, favourites round, and here's how she got on. What is your favourite animal? Oh!
2: <gasps> can't answer that. <laughs> okay, I'll say pro, pro. Good call. What's your favorite sport? Cheekers. uh, athletics. Favorite color? Uh, green. Favorite food? Am I allowed to say super noodles? I know they're really bold and really naughty and very bad for you, the super noodles.
0: You <laughs> be you, you be authentic. Uh, what's your favorite <laughs> holiday to celebrate during the
2: year? Oh goodness, Christmas, I think. The magic of Christmas. Your favorite kids book ever? Well, I think that has to be The Wizard of Oz by Frank Alban. What's your favorite kid's movie? Oh, my goodness me. Ooh, 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 ooh. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Great answer. What's your favorite toy that you had as a child? Teddy Edwards. And I'd nearly be able to reach him if he was here, but no. Yeah, Teddy Edwards. What is your favorite hobby? I would now say probably hagstone hunting. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and what is your favorite gift you ever got from Santa? Oh my word, I can't think everything he's ever given me probably, I suppose, probably, I think he gave me Teddy Edwards, so probably Teddy Edwards, who's my Teddy who's been with me since I was, I think, about six years old. I still sleep with him every single night.
0: I wanted to know, what kind of books would you guys write if you sat down to write one tomorrow? Today, eight-year-old Luca weaves a a gripping tale of a king, a princess, and a mystery man. Well, it'd be like, let's say, this wealthy king.
1: um, He would have his daughter, like, so one day he'd be, let's say, like, his daughter would be talking, and he would set off for a big journey. He'd bring his army and every day someone would, well, fall out of the army. Yeah, and then after a while he becomes really old and at the end he finds his daughter. But the daughter became against him because he didn't do anything. Like he didn't send soldiers, like stuff like that. And, And then she gets married to a prince and she asks the prince to bring his father into jail. I would call the book Mystery Man. A mystery man would have, like, taken his daughter. So The king, would, he would be very rich. He also, like, didn't give money to the people in, his, in the village. And, well, like, the mystery man, like, nobody would have ever seen him before. He would just, like, sneak into the castle and take the girl in her sleep. A bit like adventure and there's a problem which gets solved. I would probably have a series of books. Yeah, and then like you would continue how he escaped from jail and how he regains the confidence of his little daughter. At the end of the whole of the series, him and his daughter would live happily ever after, and then the mystery man would strike again.
0: Well, that wraps up another jam-packed episode of we love books big thanks to all the kids who took part and to all the adults who were hard at work behind the scenes making it happen i'll be back next week with the story of a mountain lion that changed america intrigued join me neve bennett to find out more in our next episode until then happy reading